Good afternoon, everyone, and happy Sabbath to you, wherever you are in the world. Healing. <clears throat> it's quite a topic, and there is an awesome amount in the Bible about healing, both physical and spiritual healing. And as most of us know, the trials of healing are often the hardest of all to bear. And the reason is that it is personal. There's no let up, there's no escape, it's always there. And it can be very wearying. And if we're not careful, it can get us down. So the point of this message today is to encourage us all to strengthen us in God and his word and in where we stand knowing that he is our healing God, both physically and spiritually. So I hope you find this edifying and encouraging and that it will help to lift up the, the hands that hang down by the sides and that we can make straight paths for our feet so that we don't have our ankles turned aside, as it says in Hebrews, and that we wouldn't cause our own problems. If you turn to Isaiah 38, Isaiah 38, verse 1 to 8, just as a starting point, as an example. Isaiah 38, verse 1 to 8. Here Hezekiah was sick, and in verse 1, in those days Hezekiah was sick to death, literally. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart. And have done that which is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept with a great weeping. I'm sorry, I struggle with this because I've been there too. Verse 4, then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah saying, go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add to your days 15 years and I will deliver you and the city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I'll bring again the shadow of the sundial, which has gone down in the sundial of Ahaz, 10 degrees backward. That's something only God could do. That was a powerful demonstration to Hezekiah that he would do what he said. So the sun returned 10 degrees by which degrees it had gone down. So Hezekiah was given a sign so that he would know that he would be healed and have the belief and the faith that he needed. But it's interesting if you look in verse 30, sorry, 21, chapter 38, verse 21, and Isaiah said, let them take a cake of figs 
and apply it as a poultice upon the boil, and he shall recover. It's interesting. God could have done the healing for Hezekiah without Hezekiah doing a thing for himself. But here God instructed Isaiah to tell Hezekiah to do what he could for himself. And that's an interesting point. We need to do what we can for ourselves. God will do the rest. But it's up to him on his timing and how he does it. You turn to James 5 and verse 14. James 5 and verse 14. James chapter 5 verse 14. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him after anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick one and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, that's an if, they shall be forgiven. And that's a promise. Verse 16, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Hmm, that's interesting. The supplication of a righteous man prevails much, being effective. How often do we feel our prayers bounce off the ceiling and they're going nowhere? Elijah was the same. Verse 17, Elijah was a man of emotions like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain upon the earth for three years and six months. And again he prayed, and the earth, sorry, and the heaven gave rain and caused the earth to sprout its fruit. These verses I want you to keep in mind as we go through the entire message, because healing involves such a wide range of things, and it includes all of these verses here both physical healing and spiritual healing. So please keep those things in mind. If we turn to David's example in Psalm 28 and verse 1. Psalm 28 verse 1. Psalm 28 verse 1. This is the Psalm of David. I will cry to you, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down into the pit. That's the grave. Verse 2, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you, when I lift up my hands toward your holy place. That word supplication is a humble petition. It's recognizing where we stand and who and what God is. It's not a demand. It's not a do it because I ask. But it's a petition. It's a request. And it's done in humility. And David understood this. Verse 3, draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, those who practice lawlessness, which is what iniquity is who speak peace to their neighbours, yet evil is in their hearts. How often do we experience that amongst our friends and family, or people we meet generally? 
How often do we do it to others? Verse 4, give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their practices. Cause and effect. Give them according to the work of their hands. The fruit. What are we doing? What are they doing? Continuing. Give them what they deserve. That's pretty strong words. Verse 5. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord, nor the work of his hands, and we're the workmanship of his hands, he shall tear them down and not build them up. Because, sorry, blessed is the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. God hears. Notice that word supplications is plural. David kept asking. Verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And my song, with my song, I will praise him. The Lord is their strength and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ and the Father. They're no respecter of persons. We have the same access to God, and he will respond the same way as he did to these men of old. That's why it's written and recorded for us so that we can learn and benefit from their example and the things that they went through. Psalm 30 and verse 1. Psalm 30, verse 1. I will praise you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not allowed my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you and you have healed me. David knew and understood the healing that God gives in every way, physical, spiritual, and as the job that he had to be able to do it. It's a long way from being a shepherd to being the king of Israel. Verse 3, O Lord, you have brought me up, brought up my soul from the grave. You have kept me alive so that I should not go down to the pit that's down into the grave. Verse 4, sing praises to the Lord, O you saints of his. That's you and me. And give thanks to his holy name. Another scripture says that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. Verse 5, for his anger is only for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. In the nice prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. O Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face, and I was troubled. How often do we, we ask God for things, and we're desperate, and there seems to be no answer? David experienced that too, and it is troubling. And it does cause us to do some soul searching. Verse 8, I cried to you, O Lord, and I made supplication to the Lord. Verse 9, what profit is in my blood 
and going down to the pit that's into the grave again? Shall the dust praise you? Shall it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious unto me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have torn off my sackcloth and have clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. David experienced and had a, a wonderful relationship with God. But he was tested and he was tried. And some of the things that he went through were actually precursors and prophecies for the Christ. He experienced what Christ would go through in some ways. It's pretty, pretty overwhelming. Psalm 31 and verse 9. Psalm 31 verse 9. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes consumed with grief. How often in trials and troubles do we feel like this? Just about every time. My eye is consumed with grief. Yes, even my soul and my body. Verse 10, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. How many people have been suffering health problems for years and years? And it just goes on and on. Many of us. And as I said, they are some of the hardest trials of all. Because there's no letter. Verse 10. My years, my, sorry, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity. That's my lawlessness. That's my sins. How often when we sin, do we feel even more powerless and even further from the Father every time. And it's hard to keep going when we're suffering. But these trials are for a purpose. And as we know from other scriptures, it's to shape our character. It's to form the very mind of Christ in us. Here David is expressing exactly what he is going through. Continuing in verse 10, and my bones have wasted away. Osteoporosis. No strength. Because of all my adversaries, in verse 11, I have become a reproach, but especially among my neighbours, and a dread to my friends. How often if we are suffering with a health problem or trial, of some kind, financial problems, how many friends after a while seem to vanish, they make themselves scarce, you're not invited to parties, not invited to outings, or he doesn't have the strength to come, he can't afford to, so we won't invite him. How often are we on the receiving end of that? And bearing this in mind, how often have we missed opportunities to actually include people who are going through health problems? 
by not including them. Verse 12, I am forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, useless, with, with, can't do anything. Verse 13, for I've heard the whispering slanders of many. Terror is on every side. They plotted together against me. They planned to take away my life. The things David went through. What was his response in verse 14? But I trusted in you, O Lord. I said, you are my God. My times, it's his life, and how long he lives, are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. God will deal with them in his own time. As I said, there's cause and there's effect. God has a plan for us all. Verse 18, let the lying lips be put to silence. The lips which speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and contempt. How often when we're in trials do people look at us and say, oh, well, he's got some kind of sin in his life that God is just not hearing his prayers. That's why he's suffering like this. And they end up self-righteous and making judgment on people. It's not right. We should be there to help one another, to encourage and to bear one another's burdens. Verse 19, oh, how great is your goodness, speaking of God, which you have laid up for those who fear you. That's an awesome respect, fear you. Which you have prepared for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plottings of man. You shall hide them in a shelter away from the strife of tongues. Blessed is the Lord, for he has shown his wondrous loving kindness in a besieged city. Turn to Psalm 34 and verse 4. Psalm 34 verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 5, they looked to him, that's God, and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard and saved him out of all his troubles. As we said, we know that God is not a respecter of people. He's just looking for us to look to him. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encaps around those who fear him and delivers them. I taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So David was a man after God's own heart. He had a lot of troubles. God heard him and saved him. God will do the same for us today. Oftentimes, particularly amongst the Protestant people and the, the, the people who claim to know God but don't obey him, say that the day of miracles is past. That's not true. And I know because I've experienced it and family members and friends. 
so often. And as we know, the scriptures say that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. When Christ started his ministry, in Matthew 4, if you turn to Matthew chapter 4, Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent. First word that's recorded here, change. Change what? There's a whole book about it, what we need to change. But it's summarized in the Ten Commandments. And in the two commandments, love God and love your neighbor. Why did Christ say repent? Why was there a necessary to say change? Continues in verse 17, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We know that this world is ruled and deceived by Satan the devil. Revelation 12:9 and elsewhere. There's a change coming. A change of rulership. And Christ is looking for people to help him in that kingdom, to rule with him. But we have to change and behave the way that God wants us to behave, which is like him, the God of love, walking in love. And we learn that by doing what he said. Go down to verse 23 and 24, Matthew 4, verse 23. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel, which is the good news of the kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. And notice, healing, preaching and healing. Continuing, healing every disease and every bodily ailment among the people. Then his fame went out into all Syria, and they brought to him all who were sick, oppressed by various diseases and torments, and possessed by demons and lunatics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great multitudes followed him from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. He became famous. A lot of people followed him. But notice the two things, that the preaching of the kingdom of God and physical healing went together. That's a very interesting point. Because we also have to have a spiritual healing. And often the two are linked together. Matthew 11 and verse 2. Matthew 11 and verse 2. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Now John, that's John the Baptist, having heard in prison of the works of Christ, sent two of his disciples, saying to him, Are you the one who is coming, or are we to look for another? That is the Christ. Verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind relieve, receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised and the poor are evangelized. Notice the order that he put it in. The healing first and then the evangelizing. It's 
My dad used to say, deaf ears or hungry tummies have no ears. If someone doesn't have their immediate problem met, they just can't get beyond it. And that's especially true with health problems. So Christ got their attention by healing them. And then they're in a state that they had their minds taken off themselves and they're able to focus on what he said. And they'd already received the witness as well of the miraculous healings that what he said was God was backing up. In verse 6, and blessed is everyone who shall not be offended in me. And that's a comment directed toward John the Baptist. If you turn to John chapter 2 and verse 11, John 2 and verse 11. John chapter 2 and verse 11. This was the first miracle that Christ did, as it's recorded here. John 2 verse 10. And he said to him, this is speaking, the master of the feast is speaking to Christ. Sorry. Go back to verse 9. Now when the master of the feast tasted the water that had become wine, not knowing from where it had come, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. And when the guests have drunk freely, and they are not able to discern what's good and what's not, and when the guests have drunk freely, then he serves the inferior wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Verse 11, this beginning of the miracles that Jesus did took place in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory. That's why he did it. And his disciples believed in him. It was so that they would believe that what he was saying was true. John 4 and verse 46. John 4 verse 46. Then Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water become wine, and there was a certain royal official in Capernaum whose son was sick. Verse 47, John 4. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went down to him and asked him if he would come and heal his son, for he was about to die. Therefore Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe at all. He knew what they needed. Some of us need to be hit over the head. Verse 49, the royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my little child dies. Verse 50, Jesus said to him, Go, your son shall live. And the man believed the word that Jesus said to him and went away. I perceive that there was a little bit of time between his asking initially and when Christ said, go, your son shall live. That gave the guy a bit of time to think. 
and also to listen and see what Christ was doing. And he went away believing the word that Jesus said to him. In verse 51, now as he was going down to his house, his servants met him and reported saying, your child is alive and well. Then he inquired of them at what hour he began to improve. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Therefore the father knew that it was the hour that Jesus said to him, your son shall live. And he himself believed and his whole household. So here he had his faith reinforced again by something that God did to demonstrate his glory so that we would believe, so that they would believe. Verse 54, this was the second miracle that Jesus did after again coming out of Judea into Galilee. We turn to John 5 and verse 12. John 5 and verse 12. So the question is, Christ did what? And they asked him, who is the one who said to you, take up your bedroll and walk? This is the Pharisees. Is it Pharisees? I think it's the Pharisees or Sadducees, someone asking him who healed you because he was walking and carrying something on the Sabbath which was against the Judaic laws which men had added. Verse 13, but the man who had been healed did not know who it was for Jesus had moved away and a crowd was in the place. Verse 14, after these things Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you have been made whole. Notice this next bit, sin no more, so that something worse does not happen to you. Sometimes there is a physical consequence of sin resulting in our physical infirmity. Sometimes it's the way we think. We can think ourselves into being sick. I know I did once when I was young. Verse 15, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him whole. And for this cause, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done things on a Sabbath. He didn't do it according to the way they thought that they should, according to the Judaic practices, not the scriptures. Christ didn't break the scriptures. Verse 17, but Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I work. Verse 18, so then on account of this saying, the Jews sought all the more to kill him, not only because he had loosed the Sabbath from Judaism, but also because he had called God his own father, making himself equal with God. And as we know from the scriptures, that he was God, God of the Old Testament. He led Israel. Verse 19, therefore, Jesus answered and said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son has no power to do anything of himself, but only what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, these things the son does also does in the same manner. For the father loves the son and shows him everything that he himself is doing. And he will show him greater works than these. Why? 
so that you may be filled with wonder. Verse 21, for even as the Father raises the dead and gives life, in the same way also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, so that all may honour the Son, even as they honour the Father. One who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. They work together. Turn over the page to verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear shall live. For even as the Father has life in himself, so also he has given his, so sorry, so also he has given to the Son to have life in himself and has also given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not wonder at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves shall hear his voice. Verse 29, and shall come forth those who have practiced good to a resurrection of life, to those who have practiced evil unto a resurrection of judgment, which is the second resurrection, which the bulk of humanity will be in. If you turn to 1 John 2 verse 20, 1 John 2 and verse 20. Sometimes in the middle of a trial, the thought of eternity and the thought of what it's all achieving can be lost on us. We get our eyes off it. And it's good to remind ourselves of why we're going through these things. In 1 John 2, in verse 20. But you have the anointing from the Holy One, that you and I, the anointing by his Holy Spirit. The Father and Christ, they dwell within us by their Spirit. Continuing in verse 20, and you have knowledge of all things pertaining to salvation. I did not write to you because you did not know the truth, but because you know it. And you understand that not one lie comes from the truth. Over the page to 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us. Eternal life. That's what it's all about. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed. As we're encouraged elsewhere, we need to keep our minds on Christ and Hebrews. Having our eyes firmly fixed have not yet resisted sin unto bloodshed. Hopefully we don't have to. But what a promise to live forever. You turn to John 11 verse 35. John 11 verse 35. 
John chapter 11 and verse 35. Pretty short verse. Jesus wept. Why? Because Lazarus had died and was put in the grave, and he deliberately delayed going there. Did Jesus care about Lazarus? He sure did. Verse 35, Jesus wept. This is God in the flesh weeping. He feels the same about you and me. It's no respecter of people. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how much he loved him. Verse 37, but some of them said, could not this man who had the power to open the eyes of the blind also have caused this one not to die? Christ deliberately delayed so that he would die. And he did it for a reason. But the people going through this were all, they were confused. They were having their faith tested. And yet here it would be strengthened. Verse 38, because of this, Jesus again groaned within himself. He felt. We feel. Emotions are powerful. And they can be used well or they can be used in a not good way. And they often warn us of danger. Verse 38, because of this, Jesus again groaned within himself as he came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was laid over the opening. Jesus said, take away the stone. Arthur, the sister of him who had died, said to him, Lord, he already stinks, for it has been four days. Can you imagine how she felt? Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you will believe, you shall see the glory of God? Verse 31, then they removed the stone from the tomb where the dead man had been laid and Jesus lifted up his eyes toward the heaven, sorry, lifted up his eyes upward and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you hear me always. But because of the people who stand around me, I say this. Why? So that they may believe that you did send me. And after he had spoken these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had been dead came forth, his feet and hands bound with grave clothes, and his face bound up with a napkin. And Jesus said to them, Listen, let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to console Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. These miracles were so that we would believe what Christ said. The Father backed him up. They worked together. And it's for our faith, for our belief that he is God and he will do what he said. John chapter 12, verse 37. John 12, verse 37. 
Although he had done so many miracles in their presence, they did not believe in him. Quite a contrast. There was quite a crowd of people that followed him everywhere. But in spite of that, they still didn't believe that he was the Christ. Verse 38, so that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, who said, Lord, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this very reason, they could not believe. Because again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes. That's God. And hardened their hearts. Why? So that they should not see with their eyes and understand with their hearts and be converted and I should heal them. It's about a matter of timing. God is calling a few people now to be his special jewels at the resurrection when he returns to this earth. And then he will deal with the rest of humanity at the second resurrection, as we know from other scriptures. In verse 41, Isaiah said these things when he saw his glory and spoke concerning him. But even so, many among the rulers believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory of men more than the glory of God. There's a cost. They didn't want to pay it. First Peter 2. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. This is speaking of Christ, who himself bore our sins. First Peter 2 verse 24. Who himself bore our sins within his own body on the tree, so that we being dead to sins may live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Notice that's past tense. It's a promise. Verse 25, for you were as sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and guardians of your soul. We've responded to the call of God. We are in that relationship. We have access to healing, physical healing. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we ourselves are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Christ paid the price. He's done it already. He's looking to us to look to him and to be healed. Physically and spiritually. God answers yes, not yet, and no. Oftentimes we wonder why. Turn to Psalm 32 and verse 1. Psalm 32 and verse 1. 
Psalm 32, verse 1. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit is no guile, it's no treachery, no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wore away through my groaning all the day long. Oftentimes when we've sinned, we're reluctant or we drag our feet going back to God. And finally, we, we relent. And we go back to him and we confess our sins. And we ask for forgiveness and, to, and the strength to press forward. Verse 4, David experienced this. Verse 4, for by day and by night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Selah, think on this. Verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Verse 8, you said, this is speaking of God, I will instruct you, this is God instructing David, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you. My eye shall be upon you. We have an awesome God. As his eye was on David, it's also on us, with a focus of what he's doing on earth. This is where his spirit is dwelling, his temple place, you and me. God is interested. Psalm 33 and verse 4. Psalm 33 verse 4. For the Lord, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his works are done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of loving kindness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them. By the breath of his mouth, he gathered by the waters of the sea together like a heap, putting the depths in storehouses. Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Why? Verse 9, for he spoke, and it was done. He commanded. And it stood fast. This is the God who has called us to be his children. This is who he is. Verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. As we know elsewhere, we are personally called and selected by God. We are his workmanship. Is he interested in us? Does he remember us when we're struggling in our trials and when we've got bad attitudes and we're perhaps not praying properly? Because we're struggling? Sure does. He's interested. He wants to see how we're handling it, whether we're going to look to him. Verse 13, the Lord looks down from heaven. He beholds all the sons of men. Can you imagine being up there and taking the roofs off all the houses and being able to look in and see what everyone's doing? And even more, to know what's in their hearts, what they're thinking. This is the God of heaven, our Father. He's an awesome God. Verse 14, from his dwelling place, he looks intently upon all the inhabitants of the earth. Intently, he's looking, he's focused. 
verse 15, together he fashions their hearts alike. He considers all their works. The king's not saved by a great army. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. Verse 18, behold, the eye of the Lord is upon those who fear him, upon those who hope in his loving kindness. Why? Verse 19, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in you. Psalm 18 and verse 13. Psalm 18 and verse 13. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. It works. Continuing, he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? Or who is a rock except our God? The God who girds me with strength and makes my way perfect. Notice, my way perfect. And David went on to enumerate what else God did for him, attributing everything that he had came from God, which is true. It's the same with us. What does that word perfect mean? According to the Oxford Dictionary, perfect means complete, not deficient, faultless, absolute, thoroughly tried or skilled, exceedingly satisfactory. We have this positionally in Christ through sanctification, and it's also a process through Christ with his workmanship. And God is fashioning us to make our way perfect so that we would be his children and behave like him, to think like him. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 28. 1 Corinthians 11, 28. We're coming up to the time of Passover and unleavened bread. And so it's quite appropriate to look at this because it's also tied up with our healing physically and spiritually. But let a man examine himself, this is verse 28, and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup accordingly. Because the one who eats and drinks unworthily is eating and drinking judgment to himself, not discerning the body of the Lord. Now, this verse is very important. For this very reason, many are weak and sickly among you, and many have fallen asleep. That has died. This is serious. We need to examine ourselves. Look into the word of God and examine ourselves, whether we're behaving in the way that he wants us to behave, in the way of love, loving him and loving one another. Verse Verse 31, now if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord so that we will be not condemned with the world. John 12, verse 44. John 12, 44. Our spiritual standing can affect our physical health. 
not in every case. Oftentimes we have trials of health so that we will learn other things or experience things like David did, the things that he went through so that he would understand and so that God would use it as an example and a prophecy of Christ. But that fashioned David into the kind of man that became a man after God's own heart and a man that God could rely on to lead his people and to teach his people. And we know that in the millennial age, that David will sit on the throne of Israel. John 12 and verse 44. Then Jesus called out and said, The one who believes in me does not believe in me, but him who sent me. And the one who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness. But if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. That's Christ's focus. That's God's focus. He wants us to live, to be saved, to be healed. Verse 48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has one who judges him. The word which I have spoken, that shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken from myself, but the Father who sent me gave me commandment himself what I should say and what I should speak. Verse 50, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, whatever I speak, I speak exactly as the Father has told me. This is the focus. This is the reason for the trials that we go through. We need to look to God. Proverbs 3 and verse 5. So what is our attitude? Where are our eyes? What are we doing? Take time to think. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. We've got the scriptures. We've got God's instructions. Are we following them? Are we living in love with God and with one another? Have we got something in our hearts against someone else? It can be a roadblock to our own healing. Don't let it be. Examine yourself. Isaiah 66 and verse 2. Isaiah 66 and verse 2. This is God speaking. Thus, back in verse 1, this says the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where then is the house that you will build for me? Where is the place of my rest? Well, we know that his spirit dwells within us, the spirit of the Father and of the Son. Is God interested in us? Sure is. Be involved, intimately, intently, looking. Verse 2, for all these things, all of the creation, my hand, it's God's hand, has made. And these things came to be 
says the Lord. I made them. But what's God doing? In verse 2, continuing, but to this one I will look, to him who is of a poor and contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Do we take this to heart? Are we examining ourselves? That we can be healed physically and spiritually? That we can grow in grace and knowledge and get beyond what we're struggling with? Well, we know God's instruction about healing. We turn to James 5 and verse 14 as a final scripture. James 5 and verse 14. There are so many scriptures on throughout that it's just impossible to include them all. And it is such a vast topic. And I hope today's message is given an overview. James 5 and verse 14, which is what we started with. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him after anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick one. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The supplication of a righteous man prevails much, being effective. God wants to heal us physically and spiritually, that we might be full and complete, perfect children, sons and daughters of Almighty God. 